Well, I give thanks that we are able to continue worshiping together and that we are going to be jumping in to hear the word this morning. And as it comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, and verses 14 through 15. So will you go with me this morning to the word? On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. When the apostle in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. Before we jump into our sermon this morning, I just wanted to take a second to say a word about authenticity. Michael and I, Michael was joking the other day about what does authenticity mean in this age of recording our sermons and recording our worship services. And as he was preparing to change his clothes from one service to the next to get ready to come over here. And I thought about that today because on Monday we recorded the benediction song that we'll do in just a minute. And Brittany was gracious enough to let me play along. And uh, I love playing music. And so I was grateful to get to be part of it. And when I got here today to record the sermon, um, which is a different day than we recorded the music, um, I, I forgot that I was wearing a different shirt. Actually, I forgot the shirt altogether. And I thought, I started thinking about it. And I said, oh, I've got to go home. I got to get a shirt because no one needs to know we recorded these things on different days because, you know, it's got to look like it's live because we're trying to be authentic. And in that moment, I realized authenticity is not about being contrived. You can't contrive authenticity. That's kind of the opposite of it, right? We're not pretending like we're doing all this live on Sunday mornings. What is live is that we are watching it together and that we're interacting. Whether it's from 10.30 to 11.30 on Sunday morning or throughout the week, we know that we are able to engage in this worship service even when we're apart from one another. That's what's authentic. The authenticity is that people are giving of their time to record things, to write sermons, to, to, write, uh, to do announcements, to, to come play music. And our world looks different. We can't all be together and do it at the same time anymore. And so I've been so concerned with trying to make sure everything looks right. And it's authentic because we're all, we make it look as if like it's all happening at the same time for continuity's sake. But here's what's authentic. It's that this has just been crazy. Everything about this has been new for us. But I'm very proud of our teams, both in the festival service and the contemporary service. And that they've been putting in hours and hours to make these services possible. And I give thanks that we were able to worship together, even though we are far apart during this time. So we have been in a series about the Holy Spirit. We're in transition now, straight to the sermon. We've been talking about how the Holy Spirit calls us to go to our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And how we are called to see the unseen. Who are those people in our lives that God wants us to work with that maybe we have forgotten about or have overlooked? Last week, we thought about what does it mean to let go of even the good things in order to take on the things God has for us in this season. 
But this week, we're going to take a hard look at misinterpreted misfortune and how what seems like a season of trial might actually be an opportunity for revival. That's what's in our text this morning. So I would like to preach from the subject, what's your wind? What's your wind? Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. I know it's happening. Does our scripture sound familiar to you this morning? Because I mean, it should. Not only because you've likely heard it before, it's, it's a relatively common story in the Bible, maybe not top 10 famous, but it's definitely like the top 50. But I think you should recognize this story for another reason as well. Picture this story as if it's not a Bible story, as if the characters are not apostles and early Christians. And listen again to the general outline of our selection this morning. In the beginning of the story, tragedy strikes, a hero is killed, and the world seems to be filled with upheaval. The good guys are being persecuted. Things are so bad that people barely had time to mourn the loss of one of the early story protagonists. The main characters are driven from their hometown. They have to flee or else they'll be imprisoned like some of their friends and family members. They go into exile, but it turns out not to be the worst thing ever. They kept doing the things they knew they were supposed to do. They continued to be themselves and things turned out pretty good anyway. They had a major impact on their new neighbors. They became a big deal in these new places and people listened to what they had to say. Doesn't this sound a lot like the Lion King? I mean, think about it. Tragedy strikes Simba. His father is killed. Things are so bad, he can't even stay to mourn the loss of Mufasa. He's forced to leave, but he makes new friends. And by being himself, he realizes that things aren't so bad in this new place and people like who he is and what he has to say. Or maybe, maybe it's this Acts account actually maybe reminds you of Luke Skywalker. Early in the story, his uncle and aunt are killed. With no time to mourn, he has to flee from his hometown only to discover new friends elsewhere. Or a little different, but also similar. It, it reminds me of, remember early in the movie, Remember the Titans? Coach Boone recognizes the tension and problems of the racist world his football team finds itself. And so he decides to flee, flee. He takes them to camp away from home where his players realize that the segregated and hate-filled world that they find themselves in might not be the way the world always has to be. While at camp, they build new bonds of friendship and discover that there can be something good beyond the world they have always known. Our story from the book of Acts this morning, I mean, it reminds me of almost every inspirational movie script that Disney owns. Think about it. The disciples, they were used to life in Jerusalem. There, they had a purpose. They were supposed to spread the good news. They were supposed to be this new church, but they felt persecuted just because of who they were and what they felt called to do. So much so that their lives were in danger and they were seeing their friends taken away and put in prison. So they fled, they left because of the danger. But in doing so, they discovered something they had not expected. When they went to Samaria, they proclaimed the good news and the people who had previously not heard about Jesus became followers of this new way. And the people who stayed back at home, they were so impressed when they heard about these exciting things, they almost couldn't believe it. So they went to see for themselves. They wanted to know what was going on. And when they did, they prayed that the crowds and the converts there, they would receive the Holy Spirit. I think we find this text so compelling 
I think it speaks to our hearts because it follows the very same narrative arc as all the stories we love. Beauty out of tragedy, triumph out of tribulation, success out of sacrifice. We all love the inspirational stories, right? We love the underdog and, and we love to pull for him or her to pull one out and, and, and beat the Goliath, right? We love it when the good guys win the game. We love it when from the ashes, a hero rises from the jaws of defeat. We all love the inspirational story, but none of us ever wants to be the inspirational story. We don't actually want the adversity to overcome. We don't want the hardships that have to be fought. We would much prefer that life just be easy and come naturally and be, and be you know, handed to us by someone else. Sure, it's empowering. I mean, it's, it feels good to know like if, if happenstance brought you some troubled waters and after making it through those, you're able to celebrate the victory for overcoming the struggles, but no one is ever eager to go out and search for struggles willingly, right? No one's like, ooh, I really wanna struggle in life. Let me go find some hardships. I mean, who in their right mind would go through life saying, hey, I know my choices in life are gonna lead to places where because of who I am and what I choose to do, I have the potential to be on a much more difficult path. I don't think I know many people that are willing to choose a life that guarantees them internal and external conflict. Well, I say, I don't know. That is, except all my friends that are Christians, except for them. They choose that. We choose that. Because you see, friends, Christians, we're a rare breed of human. We're not rare in the sense of the number. We make up millions of people of the global population. But, but as far as our biological imperatives go, we seem to be at odds with mother nature. Most sane humans, and I'd say the general makeup of sentient life forms, they desire health, safety, and comfort. In fact, Abraham Maslow, he, he put together these human instincts into a pyramid referred to as Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maybe you learned about this in biology class. They teach that in, in human instinct, it is our human instinct to desire first to have our physical needs met, to not be in physical harm, then to be safe and secure, to not get thrown into jail, and third, to have a place of love and belonging. That is to say that we want to be accepted. But Christians, on the other hand, Christians have altered this hierarchy slightly. True, we can't fight our own biology. We all still want to be healthy. We want to be secure. We want to be loved. It would, it, I would love to always be loved and to feel like we have a place to belong. However, we acknowledge when we sign up for this faith journey, that the possibility is real, that we might be sacrificing some of those levels of, of this hierarchy of needs to live fully into the life of Christian discipleship. We might be asking for a more difficult path. And here is where the reality of our zany behavior as Christians intersects with our series about the Holy Spirit. The early disciples in Acts they knew what was at stake as a result of their obedience, yet they obeyed anyway. And so as a result, they were forced to give up the place for which they felt like they belonged. They had to leave their homes. They had to leave their homeland. Their safety and physical well-being was threatened. The possibility of imprisonment and death were very real. Yet when forced to scatter because of their faith, 
they were met with new possibilities to do the work of the kingdom. When they had to be thrown out from everything they've known, only then did they discover something altogether new and good. And so the question for us today, and I'm gonna come back to this in just a minute, but I wanna go ahead and put it out there, is this. What is it that is scattering people right now and how might God be sending us to encounter them? Think about that for a minute and, and, and we'll revisit it in just a moment. But Christianity is a life choice that willingly takes on the possibility of fighting an uphill battle, to go against a stream. We know that to do what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, there will be difficulty in our personal lives and the life of our faith community. Everything won't always be handed to us. Things won't always be easy. But you know what else the Acts story has in common with Disney movies? Particularly those that I named earlier, aside from just the common narrative arc. Each of the places in the plots of the stories I mentioned earlier, they were not even close to the end of the movie. In fact, all three of those stories, we were talking about like those parts of the stories, they were all still in the first act. Simba comes back to Pride Rock and overcomes his antagonizing Uncle Scar later in the movie. Luke eventually becomes a hero, defeating the Death Star. And the Titans, they have an incredible season and overcome all sorts of obstacles that help make waves in the ocean of racism. As traumatic as the beginnings of those movies were, they were all far distances from the ending. The traumatic beginnings all had a lot left to be played out before they got to the resolution. And each of these stories continued and had more difficulty and more triumph throughout the narrative, but ultimately they all ended with the protagonist overcoming the jaws of defeat. I can't say all of life is like a Disney movie. I can't say that everything will always end perfectly with a tied bow at the end, but we do know the end to our story. We do know that Jesus has defeated death. We do know that one day every knee will bow. And the same is true of the disciples' plight in Jerusalem. They were forced to flee and to find new ways of doing ministry. But this was far from the final part of their story or our story. In fact, not long after this part of their story, the main enemy who was trying to antagonize them, who, who was persecuting them, he becomes a great Christian leader. Churches start popping up all over Asia Minor, Minor and Europe. And, and 2000 years later, we are still carrying on the work that they all started those years ago. That story is still being lived on today. Oftentimes in life, we are met with obstacles. And we have a tendency to think like, they're gonna be the end of us. How do we overcome this thing, this plight, this thing in front of us? And in the church, we do the same thing. We see obstacles as the things that will end the way the church has always been. It will change the way the church lives and operates as we know it. What, if, what, what will we do if our, if our giving goes down? What will we do if we lose attendance? How will we be the church if we can't meet together in person? But friends, we should not be overcome by obstacles. In fact, we shouldn't even be surprised by them. 
We knew trials and tribulations were a possibility when we signed up for this gig. Instead, we should see these obstacles as a wind, a wind that is scattering us to do the work of the kingdom in new ways, in new places, with new people. I mean, this very season alone has been a new wind for us. We have literally been scattered, scattered away from one another. And yet we are still the church. We are still worshiping together. We are still doing the work of the spirit in the world. The wind has not blown us down, but scattered us out to meet the challenges with new resolve. And I frankly think we're doing a pretty good job, if I say so myself. The way in which you are caring for one another, the way in which the church is supporting each other, that shows that the Holy Spirit is still at work. And so I return to our question for today. The question that will further help us discern how the Holy Spirit is speaking and moving in this church during this time. What is it that is scattering people right now? And how might God be sending us to encounter them? Why are people that used to be part of our church family no longer part of our church family? What obstacles do we have to overcome to re-engage with them? Further, why have other people never darkened the door of Dauphin Way? And how might the wind of the Holy Spirit be sending us to meet them? I pray that we will continue thinking about where it is God is sending us. And I hope you will seriously consider this question. What it is that is scattering people right now and how God might be sending us to encounter them. And I hope that you'll text your answer to 29988 or email Michael or myself. We would love to hear from you and to hear about the people that are on your heart right now that might currently be in Samaria and we haven't found any way to be with them yet. Instead, we've probably just been expecting them to find their ways to us. But remember, Jesus didn't say, it's fine, just stay home in Jerusalem and I'll bring all the lost people to you. He said, go. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so I pray that together we will consider what is it that scatters people today? And what has sent them to places outside of our normal spheres of influence? And how can we go meet them where they are? Because we know that God is doing work well outside the walls of this church because most of us haven't been inside the walls of this church for a while. And God is still at work in your life, in the life of your family, but also in the life of your neighbor. And God is at, the work, at work in the life of those maybe you've just met for the first time by walking around. Where is God sending us? Who are the people that have been scattered and what are the opportunities for us to go meet them? We know what the end of the story is. We're just doing the work to get there. We're putting in the effort, the sacrifice, the overcoming of the obstacles so that we can be the church that helps the whole world know who Jesus is and to experience the love and the grace of God.